Good morning. Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to December. Welcome to a brand new Christmas series. It's entitled Fear Not. How many of you have some fears? Maybe we got some hands raised. You've got some fears. There's all different kinds of fears and there's some long names for what those fears are. A number of years ago, about 30 years or so, maybe 40, researchers at Johns Hopkins University reported on the greatest fears of grade school children. So if you were to ask elementary school children about 30 to 40 years ago what the biggest fears that they had would be, this is what they said. Number one, animals. Number two, being in the dark. Number three, Heights or high places. Number four, strangers. Number five, loud noises. So that's 30 to 40 years ago. Now, a similar study just a number of years ago reports on the fears of elementary-aged children. Number one, divorce. Number two, war. Number three, cancer. Number four, pollution. Number five, being mugged. You see how things have changed and, and the kinds of things that people in elementary school children were worried about, concerned about, fearful about 30 to 40 years ago, very different today. Many of you raise your hands and you say, I've got some fears. Uh, there's some things that maybe you don't really particularly like. Some of you would say spiders or, or caterpillars. Uh, that's, you know, in, in my house, I'm, I'm the designated caterpillar getter, whether it's, you know, the, the caterpillars or, you know, any, anything with a whole bunch of legs, just got to go find that. You know, for some, it's snakes. I mean, there's all different kinds of things. I, I'm not real crazy about heights. You know, there's, there's been a few different things uh, in, in and just in my life, in ministry life, the, the first church uh, that I was at, we, uh, we bought a bowling alley that had a fire in it and kind of remodeled it into a church facility. And so we were cleaning and doing a lot of the work ourselves. And, and it had, I think it was about a 25 uh, significantly higher ceiling than our, our sanctuary height, probably a 25 to 30 foot high ceiling. And we had scaffolding set up. And we were, we were climbing up, and we were spraying this powerful stuff and then brushing the, uh, you know, the, the ceiling and beams and then you know, spraying with water because it, it had a fire. We're trying to get this cleaned up and the smoke smell. And, and I was one of the ones designated to be not holding the scaffold, up on the top of the scaffold, doing the spraying, the, the brushing, and the cleaning. And I, I did what was asked of me, but I would get up to the top of that scaffold and, and I, would, I would hold on to, I, I just about did everything one-handed. Because I, I typically, I would use one hand to hold on and make sure that that scaffold, you know, this was kind of some beat up, worn out scaffolding and, and I got one hand on the scaffold to make sure it wasn't going anywhere. And then maybe I'd use the other one to spray and put it down and then... Maybe I'd step back a little bit and try to brush with two hands, and I don't like heights. I've been on a couple of roofs. You know, it's a little easier getting up 
than it is to kind of look down and try to get off and back onto that line. I'm not crazy about height. So there's all kinds of things you and I, we might be fearful about. But we're not going to go into what all of those things might be. The, the purpose behind the series is this, fear not. There are a number of cases and throughout the month here of December. We're going to be looking at three of them. Three biblical accounts where God sends an angel to a member of the Christmas store, we might say. And when God sends an angel to humans, typically these are words that are spoken. Fear not! Or do not be afraid. Depending on the version or translation, King James will say fear not. Others will say do not be afraid. So it, fear not has kind of that close, short uh, phrase. So we'll use that. We're going to be looking this morning at Mary, as the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. Next week, we're going to be looking at Joseph. God sent an angel to Joseph. And then the following week, we'll be looking at the shepherds, as God sent a, a heavenly host to the shepherds. Fear not. So I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll read through the, the portion of Scripture, and then we'll kind of uh, break it down and, and uh, get back to a couple of those in a couple of instances. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, reads like this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, just stop there for a moment. It's, it's interesting. We, for as many times and all throughout the scripture, there certainly are many, many uh, angelic appearances as God speaks through angels to, to different individuals. But I believe there's only two instances in God's word where we see the mention of the name of the angel, one of which is Michael the archangel. And here we see Gabriel. Now, in, in different cases, many times it's just an angel of the Lord appeared. But in this particular case, it is named, we have Gabriel was sent. Verse 28, having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, are you ready? Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel 
departed from her. It's one of those very familiar portions and passages of Scripture. It's, it's one that we come to just about every Christmas. And God sent the angel, the angel Gabriel, to Mary. And included in there were those words, Fear not, Mary. I believe those are words for you and I today. Fear not. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Well, and if we're not going to fear, if we're not going to be afraid, what ought we to do? Well, I believe as we take a look at Mary and, and we look at her illustration, we look at her actions, we see instead of fearing, Mary trusted. Mary trusted God no matter what. So this morning, it's don't fear, fear not, but instead trust God. Mary teaches us to trust God, number one, even when his timing is different. Even when his timing is different. You notice twice in this passage, one towards the beginning, one towards the end, we see the sixth month Mentioned. It's, it's all about timing, but it's about God's timing. What we see is Elizabeth, who's Mary's relative, was not of childbearing age, supposedly and apparently too old to have a child. But now, at this very time, she is miraculously pregnant. This child that she is carrying will be John the Baptist. But think about Mary and think about her timing. At just this time, Elizabeth is pregnant. And at just this time, the angel shows up to Mary and says, guess what? You're pregnant too. Right here, right now. Think about Mary and, and her timing. We see from Scripture she is betrothed to Joseph and it certainly, it's a, a little bit different in their culture versus our culture. It's more than just saying, well, they're kind of dating. It's even more than saying, well, they're sort of engaged. You know, our culture, you can be engaged and you can have plans, uh, but things can change and things can be broken off and there's really no big deal. Being betrothed, they are not together. They are to be sexually pure. But it was, it was the precursor to marriage. So once you are in that betrothal, it's maybe six months to a year, uh, you are on that path towards marriage. It, it's not this casual, well, I, I kind of know this person, kind of like this person. Let's see where this goes. Uh, this is a pretty meaningful, serious stage. She is betrothed to Joseph. Now, as any young couple or as any young individual, as Mary who's betrothed, is she thinking, could she potentially be thinking down the road, what would it be like to have a child? Probably. It's probably a natural part, something that's going through her mind. And maybe she had in her mind exactly what this would look like. Any of you ever do that? You think, I know exactly the timing of my life. I'm going to, you know, maybe you're a little boy, you're a little girl, you're kind of growing up, and you're mapping out, you're planning out the, the time of your life. 
After high school, maybe you plan about college, and some of you don't plan about college, or after college, you plan this or you plan that. And for some, it's, well, at this particular age, I'll be married, and at this particular age, I'll have a child, and, and on and on and on. And sometimes our timing doesn't always happen, right? You ever experienced your timing? Maybe it's, it's kind of uh, things happen earlier than you were anticipating, or things happen later than you're anticipating? No doubt from Mary's perspective, maybe she had all of these things mapped out or planned out or timed out. Maybe she had an idea of how many kids she wanted or boys or girls. Or maybe she had some names picked out when it comes to timing. In her mind, no doubt, she's betrothed. To Joseph, there's this maybe six months to a year process, and then after that, there would be marriage and, and consummation following that, and, and maybe she had certain things planned out, mapped out, timed out. And this was certainly not according to her time. The angel shows up and says, guess what? Oh, oh fear not. Let's get that out of the way, Mary. I'm, I'm contractually obligated as an angel of the Lord to tell you, fear not. But God's got something in store for you, and his timing might be a little different than your timing, Mary. Might be different than your timing for kids. Might be different than your time for a job. Might be different than your time for whatever. But now here's Mary. She's betrothed. She's not married yet. But she's pregnant. So certainly much different perception and consequences culture-wise being pregnant out of wedlock here in this betrothal stage than what many times takes place in our day and culture. Can you imagine the, the awkwardness of, of what that conversation might have been as she's trying to hear these words from the angel and trying to imagine, how in the world am I going to explain this to Joseph. We're betrothed. We've not come together. We're not married yet, but it's, it's he and I. And now the angel's saying, I'm pregnant? How am I going to share this? This, this? this timing is not what was in my mind. And Mary's response encourages us no matter what, that we will trust in God. Because our timing is many times different. Our timing is now, our timing is yesterday, our timing is tomorrow, but whatever it is, our timing is ours. And how many of you have seen that many times God's timing does not line up with your timing? It's been said, he's never early, he's never late, he's right on time. Boy, we love that quote when God has just come through. Oh, praise God, he's right on time. But a moment before, we were whining and complaining about why God wasn't doing anything. Right? Because our time has to do with us. It's what I want and when I want it. And no doubt, this might have messed up Mary's timeline and time frame. 
But she encourages us and gives us the example of trusting in God. You and I struggle sometimes to trust God for timing. We, we struggle, period, when it comes to timing. In this modern day and age, how many modern conveniences and technologies don't we have that are billed and promoted and advertised as time savers, right? All kinds of technologies. But the problem is we have so many of them. I got to get me one of these to save some time, and I got to get me one of these to save some time. And we're, we're using so many things to save time, we spend so much time trying to save time. Doesn't it seem, even compared to maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, etc., it's a busier day and age, it's a busier culture. We're all doing so much involved in so much, utilizing so many things, but our timing is its still different. And what we see is God works on His timing, His time. And it's not always linked up and synced up with ours. And so when God moves, guess what? Sometimes it's inconvenient. Ever had one of those situations? God moves in your life, and, and you, you weren't planning this or planning that, or you weren't anticipating, and here comes the timing of God. Not always synced up or thinking, God, why don't you give me the heads up here, God? Or, God, nothing's happening. Why don't you do something, God? Whatever it is, sometimes we think God's moving too early, moving too fast, moving too slow. We take a look at Mary, how her world was turned upside down. The encouragement is trust in God, even when his timing is different than ours. That's a, that's a huge first step when it comes to trusting. Secondly, I believe from the example of Mary, we've got to trust in God, even when it doesn't make sense. Verse 29, it says that when Mary saw the angel, what was her response? What was her reaction? It says she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying, what in the world? An angel? What? She was troubled. Troubled at Gabriel's words. How many of you would, would be just a wee bit troubled to see an angel show up and start speaking to you and, oh, by the way, give you some pretty encouraging or inspiring or maybe out there kind of news based on timing. Take a look at some of these other versions or translations, and they would say that Mary was confused, disturbed, thoroughly shaken. Yes, 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 all of those things, yes. I would venture to say Mary was confused and shaken and troubled and wouldn't you have been if that was you first of all just having an angel show up quick poll how many of you have seen an angel show up and talk face to face with you it's it's not not that god doesn't do it but it certainly doesn't happen to every single person every single year it's it's somewhat rare so to have that 
And here is Mary. She is young. She's a teenager. Sometimes we, we forget that in the midst of the Christmas story. We, we see, you know, movies or portrayals or, uh, you know, in our minds, we think of Joseph and Mary as adult men and women. And so whatever that version is for you, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, etc., we often kind of overlook the fact that this is Joseph and Mary, more than likely teenagers. Angel shows up to you, period. That would, that would kind of trouble you. But as a teenager, an angel shows up and says, by the way, you're pregnant, and it's from God. Any questions? I think there would be some. It probably didn't make sense. And then on top of that, all of those details that the angel then gives about what this baby is, who he is, and what he's going to do, and certainly, after she thinks about and speaks about to the angel to say, um, just a second there, uh, Mr. Gabriel, sir. Are we forgetting that I'm a virgin? This can't happen. I mean, add it all up, it does not make sense. And in the midst of that, as, as she's trying to wrap her mind about, uh, around the fact that this doesn't make sense, now she's maybe thinking forward a little bit. If this is true, boy, there's, there's going to be some incredible consequences for this. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to her, but if this is true, it might cost me my reputation, Right? I mean, how in the world do you explain this? As a teenage girl in biblical days, how do you come out and tell everybody, yeah, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, I haven't been with a man. This is from God. What, what are you looking at me like that for? How, how is that going to go over? So she's going to be viewed as someone who has gotten pregnant out of wedlock, not in the prescribed and desired and defined way. In a sense, ostracized, potentially consequences as a result. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to her. It's going to cost some comfort. She's in Nazareth, but eventually she's going to see that the baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. She's going to be making that journey probably on the donkey. At least that's what all our pictures and movies show. She, I would imagine she would ride the donkey instead of Joseph. But whether she's riding it or walking along beside it, I mean, she's making this journey very, very pregnant She'll give birth to her first child in a faraway city, in a barn with no family or close friends for support. Do you think that was the vision or the picture for the future, that this teenage girl, this dream that she had for the future, do you think that's exactly what she had pictured? Now, she's getting confronted with all of this from the angel. It doesn't make sense. Oh, and, and by the way, after that, there's going to be a, a king who threatens to kill him, and so you're going to be kind of on the run so that you can try to stay alive. I mean, all of these things that have happened and are about to happen, it's difficult for her to make sense. 
And then the angel Gabriel says, oh, and by the way, let me specify who and what this baby is and, and what he's going to do. Here's the, the plan that the angel Gabriel shares. The baby would be named Jesus. Uh, wait a second, Gabriel. That doesn't make sense. Shouldn't I have the opportunity to name my child? How many of you had your, your baby's names well, well, well before your baby came? We were, we were with you there. We had the name Autumn Rose forever and a day before. In fact, we, even, we talked about Autumn Rose while we were dating. We weren't even married yet. And Autumn Rose, just, just the, the sound of that together, Autumn Rose. You're saying this, this name, this dream that I've got for my child, I can't name my baby? His name is going to be Jesus? It means Savior, salvation. The baby would be great. Oh, well, we like this one. We, we all know and believe our babies are the greatest. They're the cutest, the smartest, the this, that. So we like that. The angel says, your baby will be great, and follows it up saying, would be called the son of the most high, the son of the high. See, literally, he's the son of God. That's pretty amazing. Might not quite wrap her minds around it making sense. Says the baby would occupy the throne of his father, David. Now, wait a second. I mean, it's going to be me and Joseph, but I guess Joseph's not the father, but aren't you the father? But wait, the father is David. I mean, the angel keeps sharing some of these things, and it's difficult to make sense. What he's saying at the throne of his father David, it's in the line and lineage of King David all the way through the Old Testament. And that the baby would reign over the house of Jacob forever. Twelve tribes of Israel. The, the in, entirety. That's a lot to handle. And what we see through Mary and her response and her actions, she encourages us and inspires us to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. We might not know everything that God is up to, but, but God's up to some good stuff. We can trust God. It might not all make sense, but here's the thing. God sees it all. We see just a little sliver. We, we see things partially. God sees things in full. The last week or two was Thanksgiving, and how many of you are big parade watchers? You, you, you flip on the TV, you watch the... Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. You know, you got the big floats, and, and I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and then coming up, you know, uh, the Rose Bowl Parade on, on New Year's Day. I mean, all of these massive parades. And if you're standing in the parade line and you're, you're one of the millions of people lining the streets, what do you see? You see the float that's right in front of you. You look down the road a little bit, you see what just passed. You look down the road the other way, you see what's about to come up to you. You see this little sliver in time, right? God's kind of like that blimp operator. They give you the blimp shots from way up above, and you see this long parade snaking all the way through the streets, wherever it's at. Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, New York for Macy's Day Parade, right? 
God's vantage point, God's viewpoint is, is like that from the blimp. He sees beginning to end and everything in between. We can trust him because of his viewpoint. My viewpoint, your viewpoint, it's limited. I see a little bit of what's in front of me. I see a little bit of what's just come by in my life. And, and maybe I've got a little bit of a sense or a nudge of what's coming, but it's so limited. God says, trust me. Trust me. It might not all make sense. You might not see everything, but I do. You can count on me. You can trust me. So Mary teaches us we can trust God even when his timing is different from ours. We can trust God even when things don't make sense. Thirdly, we can trust God even when we don't feel capable. Even when we don't think we can do it. Now, the angel speaks in a couple different instances. The angel speaks and really encourages and affirms Mary. Verse 28, the angel says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And in verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Twice, God speaks through the angel to be a blessing, to be an encouragement, to be a source of strength. No doubt she's thinking, how in the world can I do this? I, I'm not able to do this. Have you forgotten, God, I'm, I'm a teenage girl who's betrothed to be married? I'm, I'm not some world leader. Maybe she's... Not sure she's able to do it. And God, through the, the angel, says, you're highly favored, blessed among women, found favor with God. And buried in there is, is one of the truths for us to stand firm upon. She might think she's not able to do it, and she's probably right. But what does the angel say? Mary, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. On your own, you can't do it. You might not be capable of doing it. And for you and I, some of the things God calls us to, we say, God, how in the world can I do this? Well, on our own, we can't. But God is with us. So we might not feel capable, but no matter who we are, God can use us. God can use you. God can use me. He desires the availability. That's what we see in Mary. She's available to be used. She probably had some questions, and, and you and I looking at this, we would say, God, why did you pick her? Mary was young. We talked about that. Scholars, it's up for debate, but there, there's a, a general window that many scholars believe would be the, the age range or category for Mary. Some think maybe as, as young as 12. Some maybe think of her as perhaps up to 16. But she's young. I mean, there's no way around it. This isn't like, okay, um, you know, this is a, you know, someone who's 35 or 34. Uh, pretty much about the same. Pretty big range from 12 to 16. And yet all of that is still very young to say, you're the one that I'm choosing for my son to be in your life. Mary was young. 
She would think, how in the world is God going to use me? You and I might wonder that. We might question that. God, why did you pick her? God knew. God chose. And with God's power and God's hand upon her life, he was able to choose and use her, even though she was young. In addition to that, Mary was not wealthy. Mary and together, Joseph and Mary were rather poor. They were pledged to be married again, betrothed. Now, Luke chapter 2, we read that Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. And when it came time for that, they were required to bring one of two different offerings, a lamb for a burnt offering and a dove or a pigeon for a sin offering. If a lamb was too expensive, the parents could bring a second dove or a pigeon instead. What does Luke 2 say? They brought two doves. They didn't have a lot. So she's young. She didn't have much. Probably thinking, how in the world, why in the world would you choose to use me? And God says, I've got my hand upon you. So she was young. She was poor. She was from Nazareth. Nazareth wasn't necessarily the, the most incredible town or village. And in fact, if you take a look in John chapter 1, verse 46, this is, remember what Nathaniel said when he learned that Jesus was from Nazareth. John 1, 46, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Nazareth... You know Nazareth, it's, it's one of those cities. It's one of those towns. You know the people in Nazareth. They didn't have that greatest of a repute, reputation. So in our, our vantage point, Mary might not have had a whole lot going for her. She's young, didn't have much of anything, and she's from this place that a lot of people were kind of negative towards. Isn't that just like God? To take an individual that many people would say, no way they can do it. And God says, you're right, they can't, but I'm present. I am with her. It's my strength, my power flowing in her and through her. Watch what I'm about to do. And God wants to do the same in you and in me. You say, why in the world or how in the world could God use me? Doesn't he know that I am this? I was just a, a handful of you in here that would say, well, I'm, I'm of that age of Mary. I'm, I'm maybe too young to be used by God like Mary. No. God wants to use you. Now, others of us might say, whoa, we are way, way past the age of Mary. I won't... I won't tell each of you how many ways you have to put past, you know. But we're all, most of us are, are way past Mary's age. Does that mean we're too old that God can't use us? Or we're too this or we're too that? No. God used Mary. She was young, didn't have much, and wasn't from the greatest place. And yet God said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to choose to use you. I've got good things in store. And in spite of all that, Mary said, okay, God. Yes, I'll do it. I'm going to trust you no matter what. 
You and I can do that same thing. You might think you're too young. You might think you're too old. You might think you're too this or too that. You might wonder based on your background or your past mistakes or your history or does God, does God know what I've done? God can cleanse, God can forgive, and God can use you and me in a mighty way. Trust God. Even when the timing's different, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't feel you can do it. And finally, trust God even when it seems impossible. One of the most powerful parts of this biblical account is towards the end. I mean, Mary says in verse 34, How in the world can this be? Because I'm a virgin. Um, angel, I see you're an angel. You're not a human being like me, but, you know, might be kind of awkward, but I'm not sure if you know this or not. But there needs to be a man and a woman to make a baby. How in the world? She's saying, how could this logically be? It seems impossible. And the angel's sharing what? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that Holy One to be born is the Son of God. I know it seems impossible. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it seems out there, but this is God. With God, all things are possible. God often calls us to do more than we think we can do. But he never calls us to do more than he can do. Mary's saying, but how in this world, how in the world can this be? Well, by you and yourself, it is impossible. But with God, it's possible. The things that God might be calling or God might be nudging you or and I to do, we say, God, how in the world can this happen? It seems huge. It seems impossible. It seems to be no way that I or that we can do this. It's an impossibility. But as the angel spoke to Mary, I believe God's speaking to you and I. Nothing is impossible with God. He's all-knowing, ever-present, all-power, and whatever he promises to do, he will do. He's faithful, and he comes through exactly as he said. Maybe... You read through God's word, you, you see some of these promises, and, and you read them, and, and maybe some of your thoughts are, wow, boy, that, that seems big, God. How in the world is, is that one going to take place? I, I just don't understand how this promise can come to pass. Well, in our own strength, in our own resources, we can't make it happen, but God can God promised her his presence. He said, I will be with you. God's the one that supplies the power. God's the one that supplies his presence. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's a, a good kind of overshadowing, right? His power and his presence. God wants you and I to trust 
him fully. As we see the very end of our text, what does Mary say? Let it be to me according to your word. I might not understand everything. It might not make sense. It might be a whole different timing than what I'm anticipating. All of these things, God, but I trust. I might not figure it all out, God, but I trust. Let it be to me according to your word. What situation are you looking at? What situation are you coming through? What situation are you staring face to face with? And you look at it and say, God, I don't see a solution for this. It seems impossible. I can't get past this. It's, it seems too large. It seems immovable. It seems there's just no way to get past it. In our own strength, in our own resources, we're not able to make all of these things take place. God's promised his power. God's promised his resources. God's promised us his presence. Let's trust him. Trust him. Things that we face oftentimes seem impossible. God, how in the world am I able to do this? That person hurt me so bad. God, how can I forgive? God's power and God's strength. We're able to do that. God, we're, we're facing physical issues. God, we're facing financial issues. God, we're facing this and this. It's, it's an impossibility. This will never happen. The impossible is possible with God. It's not me. It's not my creative plan or idea. I'm going to make it right. We've got some good ideas here and there. But it's God's strength. It's God's power. It's God's wisdom. It's God's resources. God's presence that's able to make this take place. The lessons from Mary in this powerful Christmas text. Trust God no matter what. Trust him even when his timing is different than yours. It's hard, but trust. Trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Trust him even when you don't feel capable, even when you don't think you can do what he's calling you to do. Trust. And finally, trust him even when it seems impossible. His power, his presence, his strength, his resources will be there with you every step of the way.